Thanks, Michael. Just um, wonder if we could have my uh, partners in crime up for a minute. Dave, Helen, Fizz, do you want to just come forward? Mm. Yeah, warm welcome. Um, as Michael, Michael said, the four of us are just back on Friday there from, for me, two weeks for these three, three weeks in Uganda. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning and then give you all the real uh, gory details a week on Tuesday. But um, <laughs> just maybe we'd like to ask for a, a brief highlight, Dave, that you'd like to share uh, with, the, with, the, with the church. Well, one of my things I, was got, I got known for was drama, animal dramas with a meaning. And every day in this huge auditorium, we had an animal drama acted by the African team, which I had trained up. And uh, it was about baboons and, and, bird and, and, and elephants and lions and rabbits and everything else. And uh, so they're all brightly colored, had some bright colored cloths all over them. And uh, we had 5,000 people just riveted on this rabbit and what he was doing. And uh, it was... It was something. <laughs> um, my highlight and my low light were both the same event. Um, kids' Day, two, two and a half thousand kids. Just amazing. And we had them all um, doing dramas and playing games, and they were spread around the cathedral and in the cathedral and in the grounds of the cathedral. And suddenly, the most torrential rain, and we had to suddenly cope with two and a half thousand kids inside the cathedral and thinking, what are we going to do now? Because it's raining so hard that we can't hear anything. And uh, then, once it had cleared, we got them fed, and we marched from the cathedral into the town, which is a couple of kilometers waving um, salt tires because we'd taken out bunting that we'd put onto sticks, and uh, they had no idea where the salt tires come from, but it certainly looked great. Everybody marching into town, and we took a couple of big Scottish flags and uh, a, a marching band, and just these kids marching into the town centre for the out open air. So, yes, amazing. Well, where do you start? There were so many amazing things that God did every single day that we were there. Is that right? Yes. Every single day, uh, God did amazing things. Um, which one do we pick? Which one do we pick? Well, the marches were awesome, but uh, one of the special things for me was the day we went out round the town of Cassesi. Um, as a group, we split into twos, and we took one side each of, I think there were 28, was it 28 of us? Uh, 28 of us, and we took two on each side of the streets, and we went through all the businesses, just walking into the businesses and saying, can we pray with you? And it was amazing. I, from my side, my team, we didn't have any refusals. And I thought, imagine if I was going to Dunfermline and saying, excuse me, sir, can I pray for you? Uh, is there anything you, you want me to pray for? Can I pray a blessing on your business? And there were no refusals in Uganda, but I think... How far removed are we in, in uh, Britain? What would people say if we said, can we pray for your business? Bit scary, eh? They might say, get lost. Anyway, they all allowed us to pray with them in my team and in most of them. I think there are only a couple of refusals. And it was just so amazing to see that God had actually blessed businesses 
after we prayed for them. You know, there was testimonies coming back of how God had, um, business had been down, and then God had, after prayer, brought in customers with, I can't remember how much was, 1.5 million uh, shekels, uh, shillings, (laughs) shillings, which um, uh, was, I don't know how much money, but anyway, bless the business, 1.5 million shillings. So God is a God of amazing miracles, and another little a miracle for me was finding little starfish. We've heard the starfish story here in the vine and finding the starfishes that God put in the way for us to rescue. And one of them we were able to rescue was a little three-year-old girl who had a very badly infected, burned foot. And uh, she was able to go to hospital. We were able to see her to go to hospital. And I got a text this morning saying that she's had the skin graft and she's now out of hospital. So praise God. That's my highlights. Thanks, Fizz. Thanks, Dave and Helen. Um, it, it was a tremendous experience. And um, this morning I, I want to share um, not really too much. Well, I'm going to give you a bit more detail on what happened. But really the heart of what God spoke to me and what I felt God was saying to us as a church as well, was uh, prophetic, and um, God speaks deep things. I was very excited to hear the title of Mike's talk last week, which I'm not going to try and repeat. Michael, you can tell me, what was it again? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, the f- a flame or a fire, a flickering flame or a roaring fire, something like that, was it, I think? And very excited, because God has put a fire in my heart undoubtedly. Um, and I, I, I want to try and share that with you. And I want to, you know, it's, it, it, it encourage you to know that, that God has a, an amazing, uh, burning passion for you, um, for souls, for the lost, uh, for this world that we experienced in that time. So my title of the talk uh, I've gone for is When Jesus Comes to Town. When Jesus Comes to Town. Um, which was a line I tried to use in one of the, the, the sermons and just didn't work at all. So I'm hoping I get a bit more response here. Um, when Jesus comes to town, what happens, Charlie, when Jesus comes to town? What happens? Well, we know a few stories in the Bible when Jesus went to a town called Sychar in Samaria and he sat down by a well, met a woman, he had a conversation, spoke into her life, revealed and explained who he was, that he had living water that he could give her. And revival broke out in that town. He went to Nazareth, we know as well, um, his hometown, I think, and was nearly thrown off a cliff because they didn't fancy his words so much there. Then we know he went to Jerusalem, the end of his ministry, and he arrived on a donkey, and crowds put cloaks down and covered the donkey and praised him and palms, and it was a worshipful, joyful celebration of who Jesus was, and he was welcomed by some but deeply criticized by others, the Pharisees, who ultimately got him put on a cross and crucified. So when Jesus comes to town, 
maybe it's up to you what happens. What if Jesus came to Dunfermline, walked down the street? What would it be like if Jesus came to town right now, right here? The promise and the hope is that, as Michael highlighted in the worship, he is already here. Hallelujah. So, what happens when Jesus came to Kasese? Kasese is the town in uh, Uganda that we were um, supporting the mission. The mission, got the t-shirt, been there. On the back of my t-shirt, it says, Kasese for Jesus, I think. Kasese for Jesus, great. Mission 2015. So, you know, I'm pretty impressed they managed to get the t-shirts done. I'm very proud to wear it. And that was the theme of the mission, Cassese for Jesus. And just to talk through a little bit of how it worked, you can see there the first slide is an open air uh, event. Um, just tens of, well, not, hundreds and thousands of people coming along. It was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, next slide, uh, Robert, please. Uh, the, what, what the sort of format of it was seminars in the morning. That's the cathedral. The cathedral is the, uh, the main church. There's the Church of Uganda, very much the uh, established church in Uganda, along with um, the Catholic Church and, and a few others. But that's the, the, the main um, religion, um, I would say, in, in Uganda. Um, I think the church, the Catholic Church, is about the same size. 350,000 people, this diocese is responsible, and the cathedral and the bishop are based here. And uh, there you see about um, a couple of thousand um, people in the church there. And in the morning, we'd have seminars focused um, on different uh, groups. So on the first day, on the Monday, it was youth. Um, on the second day, it was kids, 19, 13-year-olds, plus everybody under that age as well. They bring their brothers and sisters. Um, very well behaved, by the way. Then Wednesday, it was um, couples, married couples. We had seminars for married couples. Uh, Thursday was um, business people, single widows and singles um, on Thursday. Uh, Friday was professionals and business people. Then the Saturday and Sunday was very much church-orientated, and most many of the churches from across the diocese came together on that day, lots of um, reverence and white collars, and they wear all their stuff, you know, they're, they're quite um, uh, Anglican, they are an Anglican church, and, and they, they wear the robes and the cassocks and reverence and bishops, and it's um, quite English, actually, uh, amazingly. So, that was the sort of format of the day, um, and again, remarkably, and the, and the kids, 2,800 kids, broke into groups of 100 just so they're easy to manage in sizes of 100. No bother. And uh, remarkably, they were. We talked to, talked to them, sang them a song, Dare to Be Like Daniel, and we did simple things like that, simple dramas. Worked with very much the youth uh, of the church for that. They gave us great support um, throughout that. And I really want to emphasize that this, we'd been invited to support their mission, but one of the exciting stories we had was that the, the decision that David and Helen made to say, uh, yes, we're going to come uh, early in February was probably the turning point when they decided that they were going to go for this. Um, it had been resisted by the 
the, the deanery, the, the, the officials, uh, top man in the, in the church there for evangelism, uh, our friend John Marabio, who'd been appointed uh, evangelism coordinator, had suggested this and wanted to do this big mission in the town. But they said it's too much, it's too expensive. Uh, in the end, it was about 50 million shillings, which is about 10,000 pounds that they've exposed. And they have nothing, by the way. They have no money, nothing. But they, they, they said they can't do it. John's prophetic faith word was, we must share the gospel in season and out of season. And then eventually we, we, we said, yeah, we're coming. We went back to the dean and they said, the, 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 the Vine Church team, the UK team are coming. We have to do it. And he said, well, okay then, let's do it. So we were greatly encouraged that although we had relatively small part to play and there was many, many other preachers from Kenya and from other parts of Uganda, um, choirs from Congo uh, brought in and, and, and us for uh, supporting it. So we just played a, a bit part, but felt that we were able to, to bring real blessing and encouragement um, just by being there, coming 5,000 miles, um, two-day trip to get there. It was fantastic. So although oh, oh, the wonderful thing is it, it was their mission. It, it wasn't us. It wasn't our mission. But, but we were there to, to play a, a, a good part. And huge thanks to Dave and Helen again for the years they put in um, to build relationships that are genuine, that are real friendships. And um, the, the number of connections they've got over there is phenomenal. So highly respected and loved. Um, and it was just a thrill to be part of all that and feel that actually God can use you know, people like us in situations completely different to what I'm used to, certainly. So, very exciting to be part of it. The next slide. Hi, Robert. Thank you. Um, so, after the morning seminars, we'd march, and this was definitely one of my highlights, the first day on the Monday. Didn't really march to Kasesi. Okay, it's about a kilometer and a half through the town. They had a brass band. They had the BBs. They were marching in threes. The queue snaked for, I don't know, as far as I could see, right from the cathedral. We marched down through the town, singing and shouting and just rejoicing. And it was just fantastic, just a thrill to be part of. And walking through the town, people are outside the shops just looking and waving. And um, you always get a wave being a white guy. Uh, um, it's great. It's easy. Just so friendly, the friendliest people on the planet, I'm sure. I mean, uh, some of them look quite scary, you know, with the guys and bikes at the street corners and things, but they, oh, and it's uh, really thrilling. So that was great. Just moving on through the town, there's another photo. Next slide, Robert. Uh, thanks. Uh, March through in Kasesi. Um, get a flavor of it there. Uh, just you could, but the, the buzz, the noise was just wonderful. And then next slide. Uh, let's see what we are. Then we arrive at this open area um, that they marked off a park, Rewenzuri uh, Park in the Mountains in there, and they had hired all these tents, put up a big platform, open-air platform, massive PA system, and um, big sign-up uh, saying the mission with a you know, UK team on it as well, and it's just brilliant. And uh, we went in, and again, just the, the, the uh, level of um, investment that the church has made to, to pull this off was staggering. Uh, it's been on the radio, it's been advertised, uh, you know, and they, they had, I think they counted, they had 70 people going around the first day counting people, um, and, and I think it was about 2,800 on the first day, plus the people that had come down from the, the, the event, so over 4,000 in all uh, in the park, and, and that was the sort of level that they were getting, which was thrilling, so 
Yeah, um, and so that we'd, we'd preach, we'd do dramas, uh, we'd, we'd uh, share testimony, um, and most of it in the local dialect, Laconzo, and we'd come up and get translated and do our little bit as well every so often. And they had a huge engagement from the local community. The local mayor was completely on board with this. Uh, the, 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 the local district police commissioner was up in his uniform, army uniform, as a soldier, um, preaching for Jesus, Mark, you know, and uh, just an incredible cassette uh, for Jesus, yeah, all, all just shouting and rejoicing and marching. And um, the, 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 the bishop uh, uh, attended a lot of the events, preached on the first day, which was a huge, significant endorsement of what John Morabio has managed to achieve in the respect he's now got. Um, so fully supported by, by the church, the community, the business, um, and, and thrilling, thrilling event. Um, what about next slide? Um, just looked like Teen the Park to me. It, it, it was, we, brought, we brought these flags. It just was surreal. Um, <laughs> Scottish flags marching in this place. And uh, just fantastic. And uh, I, we did try and explain one day the, the story of the Scottish flag, how it's Andrews, uh, the disciple of Jesus, refused to be crucified on the same type of cross as Jesus, and he wanted to be put on a triangle, a, a different type of cross, that type of cross. Um, and we said, we didn't, you know, we're not here to, you know, promote Scotland or nationalism. It is very much about honouring Christ, as Andrew did, and it just, you know, don't know if it made any um, sense, but it really encouraged me to think that we could be able to re represent um, Christ in this way. Um, uh, brilliant. So next, next slide, going on. Um, just got a couple of stories that spoke to me and just highlight some of the issues that we came up against. This, I think, I don't know if he's got his name right. Is it Hassan? Hassan. Then, sorry, Hassan is um, a Muslim background believer, as they've been come to know an MBB. Um, he came to preach, and he preached an entire sermon, evangelical message from the Quran proving from the Quran that Jesus is the Messiah and is the one to be followed. And he even said, in fact, all Muslims will go to hell because that's what the Quran says. Unbelievable. His story is one of being brought up and trained as a, a Muslim in his family, became to university level in Sharia law. And the fire he got up in terms of um, understanding and being told about the law. He says eventually they started to allow you to question it because when you're brought up as a Muslim, he was explaining, you don't question it, you just accept that the Quran is the word of God, and you recite it, you memorize it. He said most of the people doing the calls, and there was a, a big mosque in the town, and you could hear morning and night the call to prayer, and he's saying, this guy doesn't know what he's saying, really. He'll just recite it. He may not even know the uh, Arabic language that it's been announced in, and he says a lot of it is just... Um, you know, societal rather than a personal commitment. And he says, as he got older, and he's the, the, you were allowed to sort of at least think about what the Quran's saying, he started to realize that it, there were inconsistencies in the Quran. And he eventually identified 42 inconsistencies, he said, in the Quran. And he said, these just made him question his faith. And, and he, uh, through reading the Quran, heard about Jesus, found out about what his role was, that he was the one to be honoured above all others, things like that, and I don't have the uh, understanding or detail to go into detail, but um, 
he had that doubt in his mind. And eventually, one day, um, th- this was obviously piling up in him. He's trying to s- study and having doubts. Uh, and so often we hear this. He went, we had him for dinner. So we were, he weren't just hearing a sermon. We had him for a meal and talked to him. And he talked for, for the entire evening, just sharing his story. And um, he was saying that he, 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 he was going to this mosque. There was a decision. He couldn't quite make sense of it all. But he, he was arriving at this mosque to preach. He was, a, he was an imam himself. Um, so a leader in the, in, 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 the, in, the, in the Muslim church. And he heard a voice that he thought were kids playing. It was a kid's voice saying, Hassan, go and get saved. As he arrived, as he walked up, he said, he's looking for where, where, where's the, where, where are the children playing? And then immediately fell ill. Blood pressure, he felt going through the roof, heart pounding, sweat coming down. He thought, oh, uh, you know, he felt literally like he said he was going to die. He felt he was being attacked by demons. He was having to preach in the, in the mosque. And he heard again this voice from somewhere outside, kid's voice saying, Hassan, go and get saved. And he would say, I thought I was being attacked by demons. And I, and I thought, this is it. And he felt so bad, he thought he was going to die. Eventually, rushes through his sermon or whatever, and everybody's going like, what's, what's going on? And uh, managed to get home, and uh, had stuff going on at home, still feeling ill. Uh, and I think if I understood it right, he got dressed in all his gear, his, his, his uh, Iman gear, and went to a local Christian crusade that he knew was on, and he knew the people that were involved, and he knew they would know him, and were, th- were thinking, this is Hassan coming to debate or to challenge, and, but he was feeling incredibly like on death's door, uh, but knew he had to go there, I think is the, what I understood he was going in, and he knew he had to get saved, and he knew that from the Quran, it was Jesus that could save him, so obviously created a bit of a stir when he arrived at this crusade and the leader sort of ship him off and he gets in and he has a talk and they're trying to pray for him he realizes he's ill so can we pray for you and he says no 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 you don't understand i want to be saved i need to be saved and so they said well okay here's how you get saved and they relied him in a prayer and he gave his life to jesus this was in about 2003 i think was it um and again he, he, so he, he gets saved somehow and it's this the story goes on immediately his health recovers immediately you know the heart stops pounding sweat doesn't you know so there's a physical manifestation going on there peace comes upon him i think and and they take him off and, and they talk to him and the story went on but immediately the persecution that started coming upon him his wife was taken from him immediately uh, his kids uh, she, she was put to another man um, because he'd bec- become apostate. Uh, he, he, he'd recanted on his faith, significant. His house was burned down. He lost everything. Um, and for a few years was struggling to, to live. Eventually got some of his kids back, I think remarried, um, built up a house but couldn't work, was put in prison, falsely accused for two weeks on hard labor, two weeks... You know, things, things like that, completely rejected, I think, by family, society, everything like that um, that you hear about. And, and it's different when you hear about it. You see this guy sharing a meal with you, talking, and it, 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 he was not kidding. You know, uh, that week, 
So 12 years later, he's managing to reestablish a life. He's got a school. He's um, teaching. Um, he's evangelist, but he doesn't get paid for being an evangelist. So he's got a school. Uh, he's teaching kids. He's got 200 kids coming along, 25 of who are Muslim-backbound grievers, completely isolated, effectively orphaned, um, responsible for them. He hears when he arrives at the mission that the authorities are going to close down his school because he's not legally renting it or something like that. And he says, yeah, you know, it's probably going to happen. So he, rather than going back, just stays and says, well, what can I do? Um, I'm not going to have any income. I don't know where I'm going to do with these 25 kids who have nowhere to go, nothing to do. And he's just said, well, I, I, I just felt I should stay. And so we prayed with him encouraged him. He shared his message uh, and, and then went home. And we managed to use some of the money that the, the church had given us for various just incidentals that come up. And we gave him, I think, about £150, was it? Just to at least... He didn't have a bus fare home. He went to the, the bishop and said, great, how do I get home? <laughs> Nothing. And he was going back to losing everything again. And it's, and But, you know, he, he wasn't... <laughs> He looked heavy, and you can understand why. But his, he says, I will never give up. I will never stop believing. Whatever they do to me, they may kill me, but I will never stop believing in Jesus. And you just hear and see the, the whites of his eyes, the price this man has paid to believe in Jesus and to follow the Christian course is so much, so high, but it's so sure in his mind that this is how I get saved. And um, incredible man. And that, I have to say, was, you know, the, one of the key messages that I felt coming back, that, that we spoke to others about the rise of um, Islam and the strategy they have basically to marry <laughs> as many white Christian women as possible. And that's basically one of the key strategies that... that that the, the Islam has is to um, over. They want to. I think he said, Hassan, have uh, the UK, Europe, and America by 2050 as a Muslim state. So that is their strategy. That's their agenda. And obviously, some is extreme violence that we're seeing. But the the the, the more effective is just um, marry lots of people and make them um, Muslims. And that's that's great. So. For, uh, Marrying off to somebody that's wealthy in this culture is one of the, you know, a key thing. So, when a fairly wealthy guy comes up and says, "I want to marry your daughter," often it's just, "Yeah, great." <laughs> that's her gone into the, the this world of Islam, and 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 they, they they're quite happy for bigamy, <laughs> polygamy. You know, that's fine. You can have a few wives, and that's how it seems to be the plan. Is that fair? preaching this uh, photograph was taken um, he gave a gospel message he didn't mention the bible once he took everything all the teaching from the quran <laughs> i've never heard that phenomenal absolutely phenomenal so yeah uh, that was one story that certainly impacted us hugely um a bit of a reality check as to um what is happening across the world um, opened my eyes significantly and, and, and could see it. Uh, next story, um, Robert, this is somebody that touched my heart. This is Bridget, bless her heart. She's about 21 years old. She worked, this is uh, the guest house that we stayed in that was part of the cathedral. She uh, was employed to work there um, 
get some money. Um, and she was delightful, wasn't she? Just lovely. Uh, spirit, incredibly gracious, cooked brilliantly. Um, and so her sort of daily drawers would get up, prepare breakfast for it, for us about six in the morning. Get everything ready. Um, beautiful omelets. Were they not fizz? Excellent omelets. And uh, she would then go off, Helen would arrange for what we're going to eat at night. She would go off to the market, buy all the food, come back, prepare a meal for us, which we ate like kings every night, bless her heart. And um, just incredible spirit. Um, she was also, let's see, next slide, Robert. Uh, there she is again in her BB outfit. She was, BBs are not just boys. Uh, it's probably the same here. Uh, but the, the big, the, a big uh, part of the culture there, the, a, lot, a lot of the young people. So she's in between looking after us, doing all the cooking, washing, cleaning, leading the boys' brigade. She's got her little thumb up there. She'd gone in the march. She'd uh, marching away, doing all this stuff. Fantastic. She'd go home after that, get her tea ready for us. We'd come and eat it. So just incredible um, heart, spirit. On the Friday night, they have, I think it's a weekly all-night prayer meeting, so she slips out at 9 o'clock at night uh, on Friday saying, excuse me, I'm just going off to the, uh, the, the all-night prayer meeting. And we're a couple of hundred yards from the cathedral. So we go to sleep, listen to this singing in our ears, like angels, you know, just, and wake up six in the morning, seven in the morning, and there they are, still going on, singing away. She pops back in, makes us breakfast, the next time I see her is on the mission, and I don't know where she slept, but just wonderful. So I, I thought I quickly grabbed her one day and said, how, she, you know, who, how was she, what age was she, what did she do? She works here. Her father died four months ago, she tells me, so suddenly, unexpectedly. And um, she was obviously thrown out of school because she has no income. Um, she's studying catering. I think, happily, uh, she was explaining that she is getting some support from the state, so she's back into school. But she's got five, six brothers in, to her mother who's on her own, no income. Uh, one of the boys' brothers we met, he's in a compassion program. And uh, she also says, but my father was a polygamist. We, uh, I don't know. He said, oh, was he not a Christian? I think he said she got, he gave his life to the Lord almost on his deathbed, I think, was what she was trying to explain. But anyway, she, there's three other wives to this father, all of whom are now arguing and fighting for the house and the land, the territory. So she's quite likely to get, you know, the risk is she, 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 no income. She may get thrown out of the house, who knows. But, um, and that was typical of the challenges these people our meeting, but just, I don't know if you can see our face too well. Absolutely in love with Jesus, overwhelmingly in love, servant heart, faithful, no doubt, no shadow of a doubt that God loves her, even with the circumstances she's got. And um, almost everybody we met uh, was, was like that. Just the joy in their heart in circumstances that, you know, we wouldn't, uh, I was certainly wouldn't survive for a minute. So that was Bridget. Let's see the next slide that we've got next. So um, the, 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 all this God was speaking to me about and sort of endorsed some of the messages I felt and we've been sharing. And one of the key verses is Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. And um, it says... For the joy 
that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, of course, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy set before him, and we talked about this, that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He is in joy. He is in the presence of the Father. His joy is complete. And the, the, one of the key messages that David Helen brought to us was the betters. The book of Hebrews was one of the words um, th- th- that we shared. And, uh, the book of betters, I've never heard Hebrews described like that. It's, but it summarizes it. It talks about the better covenant that we have, the better priest that we have in Jesus, the better mediator that we have, the Jesus, the, the one sacrifice for all, the, the, the better covenant and the promises, the better future that we have in Christ. And uh, just the next slide summarizes the, the, the scripture that, that I felt God was speaking to us about. And it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The, the, the Ugandans have an innate ability to draw near to God. They seem to have this sense of coming into his presence. As, as they meet and they worship and sing together, the presence of God is absolutely phenomenal. They, they move like um, just so smooth. They sing like angels. But their joy is absolutely solid and they have no earthly reason to be joyful at all but their confidence in who God is their relationship with Jesus is just expressed um, in, ab- in abundance it's just absolutely beautiful and that was a key message that we were bringing in and receiving uh, that heaven the hope of heaven is so real for them but they're experiencing it now. And that is the same hope that we have that we've been talking about, that the presence of God, that my faith is made stronger in the presence of my Savior. This recognition that the gift that we have to be able to come into God's presence, this better covenant because of the better sacrifice, because of our better priest, because of our better mediator before God interceding for us, this incredible gospel that we share, that we are completely joined at the hip with with people from backgrounds so far removed from us is the most wonderful hope, the wonderful faith, the wonderful world. And just just to sort of draw this to a a close, um, we shared the the next slide, Robert, I think is the last one. Um, What did I bring back from Uganda? 
I shared, that, you know, I've had the privilege of being in this church for 30 years, I think, and seen places where revival is breaking out. Toronto, the Toronto blessing, the love of God. Remember that land going out there in the 90s? Fantastic. Sense of God's presence, of, of soaking in his presence was wonderful. And then Columbia, Stuart and John, many others went out to Columbia, to Bogota, and massive revival. Stadiums full of youth groups, 20,000. The presence and the power and the passion of God. And um, I just had this same sense of God on the move in Uganda. There's been an East African revival in the, the early uh, 20th century, 1930s or so, David, I think, that <laughs> is incredible. David's grandfather was one of the first missionaries into this area that, that he's now seeing two generations later. And when, you, when your dad went in, I mean, there was your father, grandfather went in. There was not, they were in hills, they were in wearing animal skins, Nothing, nothing. Two generations later, they are so far ahead of the Western culture in terms of understanding God's love and grace for them. Two generations later, they're experiencing the love of God like you cannot believe. They, they, they are overwhelmingly in love with Jesus, and you see it in every aspect of their culture, of their society. It's um, absolutely thrilling to be able to part of it. And, and it feels like the nature of this gospel. Toronto was great, and it had a certain sense. Um, other revivals always bring something fresh or new. Or um, Columbia was, you know, the 12, and, and uh, uh, passion for the vision. But for me, this is all about joy. Just this overwhelming joy. The understanding that Jesus, for the joy set before him, and that through him we can enter heaven right now. Every time we come before him, as we draw near to God, we can experience the same joy that is beyond what anything the world can give us. That his presence, his love, his um, just amazing um character and personality uh, individually opens up for us the the father in heaven and the and, and and heaven on earth for us so joy and and again it's what do we what can we do what what, what is our gospel what will people be attracted to and i'm absolutely convinced that it's not our lifestyles, it's not our behavior, it's not our uh, religion, but the world cannot get joy anywhere else like this. It fades in a moment, like the, the message that Jesus gave the woman at the well, you drink water, it will run out. I have living water that never runs out. And we have the opportunity. We don't need to go to Uganda. You don't need to go anywhere other than into the presence of God to draw from that well of joy that is unending. Unending joy is our gift that Jesus won on the cross. And I'm sure there are many ways to enter it, but the one that I find works and is written about is Psalm 100. Shout 
for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Kezia, do you want to come and bring your band back up? The band back up. We're just going to worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And just keep that going for one minute. Robert, sorry. Just need that slide back. I could read the Bible, I suppose. That would work. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. How do you get into heaven? How do you draw near to God? Here's how. Here's the key. Shout for joy. Shout for joy unto the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. We can do that. We can do that all the time. We can stick on a CD and we can enter in anytime, anywhere, any place. And we have the reality that it's for real. This is not a vain hope. This is Christ crucified, overcoming death, ascending to heaven, sitting in the right hand of God, waiting to return for us with a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. That is our hope. How can we not rejoice? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thanks, Robert. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That is our hope. That is our key. That is our mission. That just is so encouraging that we've been saying, lead with worship. And here's why. Here's why. And we've got this connection with Uganda, and they're like leading in worship. The whole world, I think, well, I hope and I, I believe will catch something of what God is doing in Uganda. They have the most authority and ability to rejoice and be glad in God because they have nothing. And if they're saying, I'm going to be joyful, if they're saying, I'm going to worship God, if they're saying, my God loves me, in their circumstances, how much more can we? How much more can we? People, I, you know, people can look at me and say, well, you're wealthy, you're fed every day, and, you know, why would you not praise God? He's good to you, isn't he? They're not. They cannot make that accusation against the Ugandans and many, many others in Africa. Their joy is real. And, and my hope is that for every single person sitting here, you will know that same reality of the joy of the Lord beyond whatever your circumstances are, beyond whatever you're going through, whatever you've faced in your life. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, God bless you. Uh, the, 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 we've got a song, I think, has you, have we? What are we going to sing again? Alive, which seems very appropriate. So, um, let's, let's just pray for a minute. And maybe can, 
give me some sounds. Holy Spirit, I want to deeply thank you for what you've done in my heart. The flame and the fire that Mike talked about last week, it's joy. That's the fire burning in my heart that I believe God wants to give every single person. The joy of his presence for the joy set before him. We will shout for joy with confidence that we have been accepted, that we are forgiven, that we can draw near to God. Hebrews 10 affirms that this has been God's plan all along, to be able to be a people with his love in our heart. Come, O God. Just come, Holy Spirit. I welcome you, Holy Spirit.